Welcome to Screen Run. I am your host, the Lady One, and I'm here with Chris Galzo. Hi. <laughs> Screen Run is the show where Chris and I cover the works of one particular artist each season, and our first season is about the films of Kevin Smith. Our episode five is about a movie named for the most famous episode five in cinema. It's Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Is that factual? It's true. Name another episode five. I'm going to have to think about that. You can't. Play the trailer. It's a Friday the 13th. <laughs> All right. Miramax is starting production this Friday on Bluntman and Chronic. Does it say who's playing us in the movie? I'm sure it'll be Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. You know, they put them in a bunch of movies. Jay and Silent Bob are here. Jay and Silent Bob movie? There's a movie being made you two were the basis for. What? And these two guys from Jersey are on a mission. We gotta stop that stupid movie from getting made. Come on, Sam Bob. We're going to Hollywood. If they can manage to get there. My friends and I are on a road trip. Your friends, huh? Where they at? What the? Watch the language, little boy. There's females present? No! Is Hollywood ready for Jay and Silent Bob? Hey! The real Jay <laughs> and Silent Bob. Ah! Breaking into show business. I hate how fake Hollywood is. The hard way. We may very well be dealing with the two most dangerous men on the planet. So Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is Kevin Smith to the nth degree. It is all references to his viewers universe littered with celebrity cameos and like very little else. The plot description is technically this. The comic Blunt Man and Chronic is based on real-life stoners Jay and Silent Bob. So when they get no profit from a big-screen adaptation, they set out to wreck the movie. That's technically it. <laughs> no, that's good. I think that sums that up. I think that's a, an apt description of yeah. just the um, 104 minutes of <laughs> insanity. The, the what is it? If you watch it with the film commentary, the most expensive inside joke film of all time. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. So it stars Jason Mewes, Kevin Smith, and Shannon Elizabeth. We also have Ali Larder, Eliza Dushku, Jennifer Schwalbach, Will Ferrell, Judd Nelson, and then literally everyone else is basically a cameo for the rest of the film. So before we get into the background of how we got this movie, what happened during the making of it, Chris, what is your history with Jane Silent Bob Strike Back? I don't really... That's the thing, right? So out of all the other films we've discussed so far... Mm -hmm. I clearly remember certain things. Like I remember Chasing Amy and what a big impact it had on me. I remember, mm -hmm. you know, watching Clerks for the first time on VHS, renting it. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember anything from from checking this out. I, I, I did enjoy it. I can tell you that much. Mm -hmm. And I remember laughing a lot, but I don't have any historical, there's no impact to me with this film. I really couldn't trace... So it's 2001, right? So yeah. August 24th is when it was released. I'm trying to think where I was. I had just started actually at the company I'm at now. No, I was about to. I didn't start that until like, it's going to be weird, like the first week of September in 2001. Oh. Yeah. So where was, oh, yeah, no. So my life was horrible back then. But that's why I don't remember. <laughs> You've just blacked it all out. It's fine. Yeah. It was the darkest point of my life. So this must have been one of the few <laughs> rays of light that kept me rolling. Yeah. So I don't have much to <laughs> add for that, unfortunately. It's really disappointing. And it's not, listen, it's not a, it's not a hit against a film. That's got nothing to do with it. It's more just, you know, a blackout in my, in my <laughs> life at that point, thankfully. Yeah. What about you? Yes. You must have something to contribute. 
So I can't remember exactly when I saw this movie either. What? Like, I know I know there's no way I saw it in the theater because huh, brag, I wasn't old enough to. Um, All right. <laughs> but I think it was one of those that like I was watching this and Dogma at the same time, like a lot. I had the those two DVDs and I think I was just probably really into the meta references to the two movies that I was watching all the time. But I can't remember when exactly I saw it. Yeah, it's just kind of blank for me. I, I can't remember. Well, well, maybe because there's nothing really significant about this movie that you haven't seen in all of his other movies. Like, am I remembering that scene from, you know, a different film that we're referencing? Like, all of the locations, like, been to a lot of them before. We've seen a lot of these characters before. Yeah, there's nothing like truly like visually unique about this one. It doesn't stick to anything for me. That's interesting. I think that that makes sense. There are, though, even even if you say that, I'm sure that there are certain things in this film that kind of still stay with you, like to, just like all of Kevin Smith's films. There's mm -hmm. a few things that stick with me forever. Like to this day, this will pop into my head and I'll end up kind of singing it quietly because I don't want to insult anybody. Fuck, 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 mother, mother, fuck, mother, mother, fuck, fuck, mother, fuck, mother, fuck, noise, noise, noise. One, two, one, two, three, four. Noise, noise, noise. Smoking weed, smoking weeds, doing coke, drinking beers, drinking beers, beers, beers. Rolling fatties, smoking blunts. Who smokes the blunts? Who smoke the blunts? Rolling blunts and smoking. Uh, let me get a nickel back. 15 bucks, little man. Put that shit in my hand. If that money doesn't show, then you owe me, owe me, oh. So to this day, I'll still say, <laughs> put that shit in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> well, just because of that song. So there's still a lot of stuff in this film that I still stick, that still sticks with me. Is, is there anything oh, yeah. like that for you? Oh, this movie is like, it's just a bunch of tiny moments to me. Yeah. In rewatching this now, because I hadn't watched this one in years, um, in rewatching this one, I was like, oh, that's why I call people clown shoes. Mm -hmm. Like, I had no idea why I like where that came from in my brain. It's just been in there for so long that I just use clown shoe as an insult. And I for sure stole it from this movie. Yeah. Like, no doubt. But you're right. This um, film does feel more like kind of just a bunch of comedic vignettes. We're just yes. going kind of from scene to scene to punch some jokes that I mm -hmm. think land more than don't. That's for sure. Which, <laughs> the weirdest thing about the rewatch for me, I remember really liking Will Ferrell the first time around. This time I kind of felt like, all right, this, that stuff didn't really work for me as much, perhaps, as it did when I first watched it as a young, 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 young man. Very young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah same um for his character in particular and just a, a lot of the jokes in general so we can kind of talk about that a little bit mm -hmm. so kevin smith was against the idea of a jay and silent bob standalone movie which he explicitly says in this film you know it's jay and silent bob movie who would pay to see that Exactly. <laughs> uh, but a Jay and Silent Bob cameo in Scream 3 was so well received that Kevin Smith was like, okay, people love these guys. Let's mm -hmm. do their own story. Let's have a fun, comedic, you know, buddy road trip romp after everyone got so mad at my religious satire movie. Except this time everyone got so mad because of the gay jokes in this movie. You could guess within a two year window of when this film came out, like 
based on this the jokes that are considered funny no yeah it's there is a lot when you look back at this thing now that um i you know it's hey watch the language little boy you know, there's some there's some cringe <laughs> stuff in here because yeah. of that. Now I know with the commentary they explain, they try and explain. I don't, I I don't know if I really buy into this, but <laughs> the uh, the gay subtext in the film because a lot of it unfortunately is derogatory, insulting stuff. Mm-hmm. So I know is part of the uh, subplots with the film, which I think one one of your favorite things about it, I'm assuming, is going to be the jewel thieves, which we can talk uh. about that. Is the two of them, in fact, actually all four of them were supposed to be uh, in a lesbian relationship. Mm -hmm. So it was supposed to be, um, I think originally it was Justice and and Dushku and then Larder and uh, Swalback, Missy there. And they ended up keeping Allie Larder and, and Swalback's character together in a relationship. But the those all of those scenes were cut out. No. Dushku had kind of begged off that because she had done previously a film where she played a, a lesbian and I guess her grandmother's Mormon and she was kind of didn't want to kind of do that again in a, in a, in a huh. second film in a row. So Smith kind of backed off of that part of it and they excised the lesbian relationship between Larder and Schwalbeck. And he says that's part of the problem he had with that Glad had is they didn't know if they saw the full context, then they wouldn't have been so upset. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much I believe that your uh, catsuit lesbians were really going to balance out the homophobia about two dudes, but okay. <laughs> like, I'm not super sure there. Because mm-hmm. I, I think what's different about this movie versus all of his other movies where there's, he does not shy away from two male best friends and the gay jokes that surround them. Right. That's, that's a staple. But like, I don't know. This one just felt like so much worse as far as like the jokes were just like bigger and dumber Mm -hmm. and there isn't really an emotional story between these two because sure they're they're hetero life mates as you know jade (laughs) refers to bob but they're not having like emotional moments together like Mm -hmm. they're not like talking about anything obviously right so it just doesn't really work the same like these are these are the sidekick characters you can't just make constant gay jokes about the sidekick characters it's lazy and they're not funny yeah it's (laughs) it's weird watching this stuff and just seeing like you said too we're a few years away kind of where people finally Mm -hmm. getting away from this stuff using gay as a derogatory term right yeah so but it is still pretty cringy and it's been the run through the whole series so far really yeah oh yeah definitely but i feel like in this one it's just leaning on it so much Mm -hmm. that like i was just i would go huge chunks of the movie without laughing because i'm like all the jokes are not working anymore instead of it's like oh this whole scene is funny but like oh that was a rough line it's it's the opposite it's most of the jokes are cringeworthy and then there's a few things that are okay still (laughs) so let me ask you is it particularly focused on you just for the the homophobic jokes or is it the crassness in general because this thing was originally going to be rated what nc-17 due to the language and they initially i guess they submitted four or five times before it finally got an R cut. So are you just overwhelmed by the crassness as well? Because I got to admit, when we get to the end of the show, my favorite line is probably one of the most gross jokes that they make, <laughs> but the way it's delivered and then and then Silent Bob's reaction to it is so pitch perfect that I probably laughed for a good 10, 15 seconds straight <laughs> after watching it. Um, I am unfazed by foul language. Okay. Like completely and I think that was something that people got a whole, I mean, especially 
in my life at the time, that was when people seemed to be the most angry about my potty mouth. I accidentally swear at work all the time because I just swear a lot. So didn't phase me in this movie when I was like reading all the information later. I'm like, oh, that that is a a large number of F-bombs. But I'm also, you know, I'm watching stuff now. (laughs) This is just my own personal anecdote. I'm watching Little Fires Everywhere and they say fuck all the time. Okay. And that's all like Emmy nominated and like based on a book. I'm assuming that's something the young people enjoy. (laughs) Little Fires Everywhere I've never heard about. It's uh, Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington. Okay. It's all dramatic and it's also set in the 90s. So highly oh. recommend watching that. All yeah. right. Let's yeah. add it to the ever growing non ending list. Yeah. Well, we're never getting outside again. So That's true. <laughs> it's for the best. My favorite, one of the weirdest <laughs> things for me about this, too, were a lot of the uh, the guest spots that I people I had totally forgotten about, too. No insult to them, but like Jules Astner and Steve Kameko. I have yeah. not thought about them and I don't know how, but they were like, you're omnipresent, you know, when it came yeah. to like, you know, pop culture news type stuff back at the time. And I hadn't thought about them. I don't know how long. I was happy to see him, I guess. But still, <laughs> there's a lot of that. Oh, hey, you know, in this yeah. movie. Oh, that guy. Oh, I remember that person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a time capsule. <laughs> yeah. And of course, Jamie Kennedy shows up, who I have a, a longstanding feud with. So. I don't like oh, oh, cool. Does he know? No, he has, he has no idea. Um, <laughs> But it is, it's, there's a, a hatred there that burns yeah. brighter than the, you know, the brightest sun. So I, I feel you. I have the same uh, ongoing feud with JJ Abrams. He doesn't know about it either. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> it's good to have a nemesis, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even if they don't know. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I feel like we have to talk about the production of this movie. So it was, uh, I guess the best way to describe it is like a low key nightmare for. Kevin Smith and everyone trying to get Jason Mewes to just do what he needed to do. Um, He was struggling with drug and alcohol abuse. He was coming off heroin. So he was behaving erratically and like honestly, probably physically felt like absolute garbage. That couldn't have been helping his performance. Mm. He was drinking a lot to kind of balance out how he was feeling from withdrawals. So Kevin Smith actually threatened to shut down production if he couldn't keep it together. He did like get through filming. But then as soon as filming was over, like went hard and he uh, Jay moved in with Kevin Smith for a while. He was like going to try and help him get clean. He stole money from him to buy drugs. And then Kevin Smith was like, I cannot anymore. Uh, I will write another movie with Jay in it if you can get clean. But if you can't, we are done forever and I will never talk to you again. So (laughs) that's kind of how or that's kind of what's going on in the background of this which is kind of sad because it's supposed to be like, you know, the two best friends are on this journey together. And, you know, the movie ends closing the book on the viewers universe. God literally closes the book on it. It's like, I guess it's kind of like a nice, like true sign of friendship that he's like, I will do one more for you if this will be what gets you out of this. Mm -hmm. Like I literally close the book on it, but I will open that book again if that's what we need to do to, to get you to get your shit together. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really sad too. I mean, he's actually, I think, for the most part, pretty good in this film. I think he's yeah, he's at the height of his J powers. I think even better than he was in Dogma. But to think that he was suffering through that entire time, or at least mm-hmm. just kind of white knuckling it through the uh, filming of the movie, and they talk about this in the commentary too that Jay opens this film. I mean, he's the lead actor in this movie. Yeah. Oh, and totally. It's impressive that he was able to get through it. It's sad. Now, I understand. From what I understand, he's clean now. Mm-hmm. 
and has been for a while. So yeah. that's good. But it is it's tragic to, just to hear about all this stuff and everything that was happening behind the scenes and particularly afterwards as well. I guess at one point that they got he got in a fist fight with Mosier. Yeah. Because he, what he had showed up really late or is drinking every day of the shooting and stuff. And just, uh, they had to do a reshoot at night and he came back drunk and Mosier just lost it. And yeah. I just, yeah, it's because you got all these people, you know, they have money on the line, their careers. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's got to be frustrating. I can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, the stakes were so high. Like <laughs> his name's in the title. <laughs> he's a title character when he's just been like a sidekick comedic relief in all the movies up till now that's a lot of pressure too i can't imagine that it was just like in a vacuum that he was struggling with drugs and alcohol like this is also the pressures on him for how important he is to this production he can't just like fall asleep during a take the way he did in dogma like <laughs> <laughs> you have to be awake and know your lines this whole time it must have been really difficult for everybody in in different ways for yeah. sure so i got a list of all of our connections here okay I feel like we need to just quickly run through them. It is a long list because this movie is 90% connections. We're starting off at the quick stop. Dante and Randall are back. So Yay. Brian O'Halloran has been in all of the movies. We have Harley Quinn Smith playing baby Silent Bob. Mm -hmm. We'll get to her later. She'll have more talking to do. The entire plot revolves around Blunt Man and Chronic. So Ben Affleck is back as Holden McNeil from Chasing Amy, later playing himself. Jason Lee is playing Brody from Mallrats and later Banky from Chasing Amy. George Carlin, who played Cardinal Glick in Dogma, is back as a hitchhiker who respects the rules of the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jay and Silent Bob use the internet at movies which was introduced in Dogma and will be back in full force in Clerks 2 Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill both cameo their first time uh, in the same movie since Star Wars as a nun and Cockknocker and um, we have Judd Nelson who is mentioned in Dogma as being fucking harsh he is a cop who I would say is pretty harsh. Shannon Doherty is back. She was Renee in Mallrats, but she's playing herself this time. Fanboy Walt and Steve Dave are seeing the movie, as are Alyssa Jones and Trisha Jones and Hooper X, all at the screening at the end. And finally, Alanis Morissette, as I mentioned, as God, closing the book on the Viewisk universe for now. So one of the cut scenes, too, is Dietrich Bader, who plays Gordon, the security guard at Miramax. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing, too, that kind of runs through all this stuff is the, the constant Miramax stuff, yes. which is just... Uh, and I just actually finished watching uh, The Assistant, which I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. It's a, a film. She's an assistant at a film production company, which clearly yeah. I think is supposed to be Miramax. And it is... Oof, okay. It's not, it's not... Anyway, feel free to edit that out. Either way... <laughs> Diedrich Bader is Gordon is the Miramax security guard. There's a cut scene where he actually looks to Shannon and calls her Brenda. Just like oh, in... Uh, does she call him a dick? Yeah, I believe she does say something uncharitable <laughs> towards yeah. him. For dick. sure. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And obviously, uh, Chris Rock, who was our, our Rufus, he's back. I probably left somebody out because of that list being so long. But it's just so many references and i have to say that is coming back to it like i love a movie reference i love an in joke i love winks to the camera they literally turn to the camera and break the fourth wall repeatedly mm -hmm. but i like that in a movie i don't like that to be the movie and that was really my issue with a rewatch of this was i was like ah oh, man there's really nothing going on other than this do you think you can get any enjoyment out of it if you hadn't seen the uh first four films now, no. At the time, it was probably funny enough. 
Mm-hmm. But I just feel like so much of it is knowing the joke of who is appearing on screen and what they're saying. If you don't know those people, if you don't understand that Jason Lee and Ben Affleck are playing different people throughout the movie, yeah, then you're just confused. I mean, at least his his Ben Affleck is like a little more over the top than his Holden. But yeah, I think it relies on you knowing all of his other movies before that and liking all of it. And you're limiting your scope of who will enjoy that by like dialing in of like, you got to have seen my other four. Okay, cool. And you got to have liked it and like at least seen them multiple times because otherwise you won't get the jokes. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just, it works for him, but it was just because of the way the jokes are written for me, it was nowhere near as enjoyable as when I watched this movie forever ago. Yeah, I... I found it to be, I think it's exceptionally well paced. I think the thing just zips along mm-hmm. and I found it to still be very fun and funny. I mean, those are two different things. You can have it a good time and enjoy yourself watching it yeah. and then also laugh a lot. A lot. And I did. I, the thing yeah. still worked for me really well. It is filled with inside jokes. As you said, those fourth wall breaks. <laughs> and um, if you're, are you hampered if you're a first timer to all this? If you go in cold and just watch this. I think you can still enjoy it today outside of those cringe moments, but you're not going to get the full impact of it unless you've seen all the other films. That's for absolute sure. But there yeah. are some things that work, right? I I still think, I mean, when, when he sees Shannon Justice, Shannon Justice, Shannon Elizabeth's <laughs> character justice for that first time, right? Dude, I think I just filled the cup. I think well, that, the way that scene works is that the bad Bon Jovi's bad medicine is blasting, right? Mm-hmm. As Jay is going through this fantasy in his head of him making out with Shannon Elizabeth's character. And the favorite thing is he becomes aroused and then Bob puts a <laughs> cup over him. Um, and but the, my favorite little touch about that is that the bad medicine song gets muted. So now it sounds like it's coming out like it's like somebody's <laughs> covered the speaker. And, and it's slight, but you can hear it as the conversation continues, the muffled bad medicine. And I just, there's something about that absolutely kills me. It makes me laugh hysterically. But unfortunately, yeah. we switch to then, and I want, I want to get your opinion on this, the introduction of the Jewel Thieves as yeah. they get out of the van and for the first time. And they're all doing these Charlie's Angels-esque poses and being ridiculously kind of sexualized versions of themselves for mm-hmm. what? And then I am I, here's, you know, what it just occurred to me, did that all occur in Jay's head? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's purely a fantasy, but to me, I I'm like sort Bob of like- the same reaction though. I think what it's supposed to be is purely in Jay's head. Okay. But as someone watching the movie, I will say that's a total cop out to you being like, look how ridiculous it is to sexualize women like this. I'm going to do it as a joke. It's not a joke when you're still doing it. Like it's it's one of those that he's like, I know how over the top it is, but you still did it. And then he does it again when they're in their cat suits. Yeah, it is that cat suit cat suit scene. I feel like I could you could hear my eyes roll to the back of my head. It was so bad. We finally have more than two women in an entire movie he's yeah. making. And um, that's what you're doing. Okay, cool. Great. Great. I'm so glad. Like, it's just one of those that, like, being aware of how gross you're being doesn't make it better because you still did it. So, so did that, so that subplot bring anything to you? The whole Jewel no. Thieves and... <laughs> I hate it so much. I hate that entire subplot. 
And I don't care that he gives them the line because we're walking, talking, bad girl cliches. I'm like, great. Thanks for acknowledging that your writing sucks for them. Like, he's such a good writer for all of his male characters. And then he literally has them say that they're walking, talking, bad girl cliches. Like, Mm -hmm. again, like acknowledging that you're doing something wrong doesn't make it better. You still did it. And also, like movies like this dumb high school kids are watching them and they don't understand your irony there yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't work so i i hate everything about those characters i think my favorite bit of trivia for this movie is that um heather graham was offered the shannon elizabeth role but turned it down because she couldn't figure out why her character would fall in love with jay mm-hmm. <laughs> and i feel like that's such an accurate description of justice is like he's just being jay and that's Jay being Jay and it is what it is. But just her like constant response to it of just like, oh, is like, what is this woman brain damaged? Why is she so on board with this? I don't understand because she like corrects him about like the way he talks to and about women. And then she's just like, but it's fine anyway. Right. I got thoughts on that that I may say for a little later because <laughs> that is that is an interesting point. So yeah, there's a few things too. There's like so th- there's the whole ju- when they actually go rob the jewel place, right? Yeah. And they do these all these CGI kind of shots of them mm-hmm. running through the lasers or or somersaulting through or whatever. Yeah. And the Ali Larder's character actually Matrix style climbs the wall. <laughs> right. And then she yeah. ends up having some gas, which sets mm-hmm. off the sound alarms, right? Yep. And it took them two days to shoot that. Then twelve to thirteen CGI shots. All for one fart for joke. A fart That's joke. I don't think even really works. You know, I, I was like, uh, all right, that's I don't and I even remember back then. I, I can't remember back then if that one made me laugh, too, at the time. I don't know. I'm not I was not a very mature young man <laughs> in 2001. <laughs> not that I am now a, a very mature senior citizen. But <laughs> there's just some stuff in here that's still just uh, it, it, like, like you said, it's, it's, it's pretty cringe inducing to this at this point. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. It, even would have been that. I really didn't enjoy this as much as I was expecting to. I still loved, though, the entire hunting season scene the whole part and it's my favorite part of the whole movie that held up for me <laughs> do you want do you want, should i just for you as a, as a gift yeah i feel like it's even better now with time all right here now how do you like them apples i don't like the sound of them apples well what are we gonna do jackie yeah it's hunting season Applesauce, bitch. Sorry to interrupt, sirs, but we've got a 1007 on our heads. Oh, Jesus, again, Ben? No bullshit, because I wasn't with a hooker today. Ha ha! <laughs> so. <laughs> so good. It's like, seriously, it is a joke that has gotten better with time as like Ben Affleck has repeatedly fucked up publicly. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, his delivery of that at the end. Um, not the only the what are we gonna do or whatever, then, <laughs> but his denial of having another dead hooker in his trailer. Not is, today. <laughs> it's such a great line delivery. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I watched. Um, as I mentioned, I had this DVD. I watched all of like the bloopers for this mm-hmm. movie, and there are so many good ones of just like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon just being a disaster. Just it's such a silly thing that they're doing, and um. 
I do appreciate that they have enough sense of humor to be like, yeah, this is fine. And Gus Van Zandt just counting the money. No, that was great too. I mean, just watching Amazing. Affleck and Damon, I really feel that they they do this in real life. Lips, teeth, tongue, or lion face? Lion face. Lion face. Ha! Lemon face. Mm. Lion face. Ha! Lemon face. Mm. Break it down. <laughs> you know that they do that. They really yeah, need like, to work together more often. That had to be like their edition of like what will what will our little bit be? I loved it. It's my favorite part of the whole movie. It's so good. I feel like I know podcasts are. Uh, not great for the visuals, mm-hmm. but I listed all of the references earlier in this movie, and I failed to acknowledge that Jay is wearing a Berserker t-shirt, <sighs> and um, I am also wearing said Berserker t-shirt. Are you really? So. That is so... F- you know what's so funny about that is <laughs> after watching this, I wanted to go... I'm thinking, you know what? I still got to get the reboot film, because we're going to be yeah. discussing it too. It's on sale yes. for iTunes right now for five bucks oh. for digital but I want to get the Blu-ray, so I went over. Uh, it's thirteen bucks, but you can buy it for thirty-four and get the autograph. I don't have a Smith autograph, so I'm like, do oh. I want to spend the money and get that? And I was shopping. I saw that shirt and I put it into my cart. I haven't actually <laughs> paid out, cashed out yet, though. So it's, that is pretty funny. It's pretty cool. I, I, so I got this shirt for my birthday. And I just thought it was the coolest shirt ever. And then I watched this movie after that and was like, oh, my God, wait, he's wearing it in there. Like, I didn't even like fully tie it all together. I love it. Olaf metal. (laughs) Uh, It's so good. All right. Do we have anything else to add or should we get to our our favorites? One of the deleted scenes that I found really disturbing is when they're in the uh, mystery machine van. (laughs) When they come across. There's a deleted scene. Did you watch them all? I didn't watch it for this, but I have watched them all. The Scooby, where the dog, they actually show like a dog's uh, erection. And it's really just, I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I guess if you're going to have a bunch of movie filled with dick and fart jokes, I guess you can, you'd can you include a dog one at some point. But it just seemed weird so. to me and off-putting and unsettling. Yeah, animal, animal genitalia will do that. Yeah. 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 It's not... It's not for everyone. That's good to cut. <laughs> In fact, I may suggest cutting this me even mentioning it. <laughs> I don't know, though. That dog was voiced by Mark Hamill. Uh, that's true. I think that's important. There's, that's a good important. thing to note. That is a fair point. Yeah. So He's a, so many dual roles in this movie. Ben Affleck, Jason Lee, <laughs> Mark Hamill. It is funny when listening to the commentary, too. I got to admit, with the commentary, there wasn't that much really interesting stuff about it. It certainly yeah. wasn't the hilarious kind of fun stuff from the previous ones. This one's much mm. more technical. It's Smith, Mosier, and Jay, and that's it. You gotta and, have Ben uh, Affleck on your commentary. Right? So <laughs> it was interesting enough. Out of all the commentaries, I probably enjoyed this the least. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, you get just kind of some behind-the-scenes stuff. They don't talk about any conflicts with Jay the whole, at all, which I get. I mean, he's there with them, and I don't. And he's their friend. They're not going to bring that up. But um, they talk about the Glad controversy a bit. And they mm. and throughout the whole thing, though, Smith seems pretty focused and centered that this is going to be the last View Askew film, which clearly it's not. Yeah. And it's, which I in the end, I guess I'm glad about, because I we'll see when we get there, but I always like Clerks 2 a lot. So um, we'll see upon that revisit. But it's yeah. it's just funny listening to it now, you know, because he's he's supposedly what done writing Mallrats too, and mm-hmm. then yeah. he just did the reboot. So I don't know. It's just an interesting little timepiece. It's this, and then he, like you said, they have God closing the book, all this stuff that this is the end. This is the yeah. last view askew commentary I'm going to do. He says 
Now that I think about <laughs> it, he didn't do one for Reboot. I Did he do one for Clerks too? I'll have to check my DVD. I'm assuming he did. I feel did. like he did. I feel like he that was have. in peak DVD times, but yeah. I don't know. All right. I'll have to, to I have a special surprise for you when we get the Clerks 2 to show you. Oh, so. God. I'm so, ner- I'm so nervous about watching Clerks 2 because I watched it one time and I remember at the end being like, no, I don't like that. But I can't remember anything other than that feeling. Really? Yeah. I just remember being so disappointed. Mm, I was not. So well, that'll be an interesting conversation when we get there then. Yeah. We'll All see. Right. Bring we'll it home, see. boss. All right. Let's do some favorites. And I have I have renamed these in, in my show prep as favorites, not best, because uh, it just... It, it just feels right. Yeah. To, no, I, <laughs> I can't right. defend a lot of these things as the best anything, mm-hmm. um, but they could be my favorites. So I'll go ahead and start off with my favorite performance, which I did struggle with <laughs> because it's it's so much Jay and then just other people bopping in and out. Right. But uh, even though it may seem wrong, my favorite performance is Ben Affleck. Just his Holden is so just perfectly like the same but Mm self-aware and then his you know parody version of himself is fantastic with uh, the highlights and his over-the-top austin accent it's so good i love it he's he's my favorite then this is going to be just for you the internet has given everyone in america a voice and evidently everyone in america has chosen to use that voice to bitch about movies a little self a little uh something you want to talk about it's so true yeah i mean we're still doing it and that was 2001 uh we are still using the internet to bitch about movies except for now i'm doing it with my voice instead of on uh message boards that's right so So it's an improvement question mark so what is your favorite performance of this movie chris so it's funny you brought it up earlier and now it's making me rethink the entire thing when you brought up the heather graham thing but it's shannon elizabeth i actually in some weird way bought into her affection for jay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know it's crazy. He's selling it. Yeah, yeah, but I thought she totally sold it. I I really did. I appreciate the uh, he would say the horrible boo boo kitty f stuff and all these really <laughs> just disturbing things to her. Yeah. And but she'd be like, ah, he's just an idiot. And I love yeah. him. Maybe it's because that's it's the outsized relationship I have with my wife because <laughs> I am an idiot and she puts up with me and she's like, yeah. you know, leagues out of my league. Is that? Right. Either way. So, but no, I actually thought she was quite good in this, especially coming off of, you know, like American Pie, when basically she was just this sex symbol uh, mm-hmm. for a bunch of, you know, teens at that time. I think she's actually really good in this. I really yeah. enjoyed her performance. So I, I get the your concern with her in this, in, at yeah. least in her relationship with Jay. But I, all of my problems with her and all the the cliche bad girls are the what's written for them. Yeah, they're all nailing it. I mean, maybe not so much uh, Mrs. Kevin Smith. She has like two lines. She's just really doesn't. I think we know how she got there. Um, <laughs> but it's it's just what's written for them is is no good. But no, Shannon Elizabeth is very sweet in her performance, and she seems genuine. Yeah, I think she's the best possibly out of sight of Jay and Bob. Maybe the best developed character in this thing, mm-hmm. as much as that, you know. As much the bar as is low. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you have All a favorite right. reference? So this was tough for me because essentially the um, entire movie is a reference. Right. So my cop out answer to this is literally just not the last scene, but the last real scene before we start with our montage and credits is just all of our past view askew mm-hmm. characters walking out of the screening 
um, with their own unique takes on what that movie was, all in character, all the references uh, to their own movies, other movies in the series. That's just like my, my favorite, like fun little moment in the whole in the whole thing. And also, I love that they're walking out of essentially what is to be the movie we just watched. And they're like, that was terrible. <laughs> no, you so. know, what? I had the same one. I agree with you. Yeah. Entirely. You have Alyssa <laughs> Jones, Trish the Dish. You got a Hooper. Yeah. Like everybody's back. You yeah. know, and it's it was my favorite thing out of the whole film. The, that yeah. coda after the screening, everybody's walking out. And as like you said, everybody's in character and delivering their their thoughts of the film. Uh, yeah, no, that was the best part of it. I agree with you entirely. Yeah, best reference. Gotta love it. All right, your favorite line? Okay, so this is going to get me in a little bit of trouble. So nah. it's a throwaway. It is ridiculous. Uh-huh. But there's a scene where at, they're at the, the rest stop there. They're at the quick mart, whatever the case may be. And Elijah Dushku's character, right? Sissy is talking to Justice and saying that, you know, why don't you use Jay? He's clearly in love with you. And she's like, what? No, he's not. Are you kidding me? Right? And then when she's trying to justify him, this line kind of happens outside while they're waiting for them. Well, maybe he just has manners. Yo, baby, you have your asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat? It's, yeah. <laughs> it's the yeah. <laughs> but that line, and then it's the way Smith turns and looks at him, it, it, I laughed for a good, like, 10, 15 Mississippi at the yeah. end of that. I don't know what it was. It just killed me. So, because it, it was just a throwaway kind of thing. And, and it just, yeah, I was almost crying. Yeah, I the, that's the thing about this whole movie is the throwaway lines are the best lines. It's nothing driving the plot. It's all the like the random like one off lines. So my favorite line from this movie, this was tough to narrow down because even though I keep complaining about like <laughs> the movie in general, there's still so many little lines that I love. And for me, it has to be fictional characters yes. complete with the hand motion i use it all the time mm -hmm. like so more I. more than is appropriate like for life like people don't need to see me doing this but yeah no i love it it's he's just so frustrated with how stupid they are and has resorted to that and it's it's great no it's i agree my favorite. that is a great one too and i do use that as well it's <laughs> yeah. funny how much of this stuff just infects your brain and then you just yeah. kind of continue to repeat it honestly i feel like the biggest takeaway i've personally had from us going through all these movies so far is like how much of my personal things i say in my day-to-day -day life are because of kevin smith mm -hmm. like i would i would never have like previously been like oh he's such a huge influence but i'm like ah oh, shit i call people clown shoes all the time i call people a bunch of savages like now i kind of miss it a little bit because i never go to the office anymore because covid yeah. but anytime the coffee pot was empty and i went to go refill it and nobody had restocked it, i'm like bunch of savages in this town yeah there's no other response to people at work being just shitty no you're entirely <laughs> that's right. what you gotta say there's a lot of a lot of good lines from him so far I'm going to start when that happens. I may just start texting you because I'll say it around the house <laughs> and then the missus just look at me like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So there's, it's, it's, it's not fair at having, you know, you know <laughs> people don't always enjoy or understand what the hell. What I know. Saying, so. People need to know that the weird shit you're saying is because somebody else wrote it first. That's right. It's not your fault. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to do our movie ratings? All right. Let's do it. All right. This is going to be hard. So I struggle with this one. Mm. 
because I was so excited to come back and watch this. I was like, yeah, it's all the jokes and all the references and nothing's going to make me mad. And then I spent a lot of time being mad at it. And I love the first 30 minutes. I love the Goodwill Hunting 2 hunting season scene. And then I just keep getting annoyed with the whole the side plot of the jewel thieves and then all of the gay jokes that are just terrible. And it kind of ruined a lot for me. So I've only given it a three. Mm, I listen. I knew this was going to come when we were going to be really, really far apart. I really thought it was going to be chasing Amy. And uh, yeah, no, I have three and a half. I'm actually not that far away from you at all. Oh, I, man. I agree with you entirely. I think it's it worked more for me clearly than it did for you. I guess yeah. I was a little more forgiving of the weak subplots, air quotes, if you can even call them that. <laughs> uh, but the the homophobic jokes and then the presentation of the women, too. Mm. I, I get it's 2001, but it's 2001. It's not 1956. Yeah. So it's yeah. some of the stuff just didn't really work for me as much. And like you said, this is a very this is a very encapsulated film. You kind of really to enjoy it, you're gonna need to know all the references really to really mm -hmm. get the full experience. So though I laughed a lot, it was a fun revisit. It is three and a half movies for me. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Fair. I appreciate that. All right. Well, I think we did it. Whew, I was getting I nervous. Think, yeah. I think I think we made it happen. I'm very so proud of us. <laughs> So you can find Screen Run anywhere podcasts are found. And we would love it if you give us a review and a rating uh, and tell a friend. So you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at the Lady One. That's W-A-N. And Chris is at C-G Scalzo. And you can find all kinds of fun show stuff when you go to screenrun.fun. <laughs> the best URL on the internet. Uh, we'll see you there, folks. That'll be good. <laughs> all right. Next, uh, next episode. We're branching out. We're mm -hmm. leaving the Fewisk universe. And we're going to talk about Jersey Girl. There are two films in Smith's Over I have not seen. <gasps> Yoga Hosers yeah. and Jersey Girl. Oh, boy. So, this is going to be fun. Yeah, that'll be a good one. All right. Until next time. Take it easy, everybody. Stay safe. Well, just take it easy. Poop shooting, yeah.